Hello, Pastor Lisa Bates Froyland here from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to our fourth season of the Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast, a more portable way to take in the weekly preaching and music here at Redeemer. This season, we weather the winter months together. Join us as we prepare for Christmas in December and get to know Jesus through scripture and song in January, February, March, and then head toward a crescendo in April with a retelling of Jesus's death and resurrection. Imagine that, a religion founded on the promise that new life can emerge from death. And lucky us here in Wisconsin, because nature will be showing us this truth at the very same time. And now, here's the sermon. Well, in these last weeks of the Lenten season, we've been exploring this metaphor, a journey to a crowded table. And we've been a lot of places inside of that metaphor, including the ways that we might very personally struggle with feeling invited to a table. Am I really invited? Um, Am I really welcome? I could make a joke that I always, when I'm at a gathering for, for a congregational event, when I come toward a table, I always think that people are going to be like, oh, the pastor's going to sit with us. But you might have other reasons why you may not feel like people really want you to sit down with them. And that's something to explore um, spiritually here, and we have. The second question is, do I dare to sit down? Am I secure enough in my body and my spirit to have any and all kinds of people on my left and on my right sharing a meal with me. And honestly, some people really do need a space to themselves, and we honor that. I've observed that over the years um, in many meals. If someone is sitting on their own, there's probably a very good reason for it. You can go up and greet them, but you'll get the clear signal. Also, we ask, can I be bold enough to invite someone else to the table with me? And the embedded question there is, can I risk rejection? I hate rejection. (laughs) I always have, and I still do today. And in my role of pastor, I end up needing to ask a lot of people to do things. And they can always say no, but it's still, it's a little bit scary to jump in there and to ask someone for something, even if it's just to come sit with me at the table. And then the larger question for this congregation as a whole is, are we ready to set a crowded table in a really different way? And with that question, I'm referring specifically to our unfolding dream of a second worship service in the space to my left here that we're calling the Gospel Brunch, which will be a very different way of worshiping together and we hope will fling wide the doors to those who are not here yet. So now today, here's our gospel story, and it has a starring role for tables. The tables are at the middle of this story along with Jesus, but these tables are not anything like how we've been thinking about them so far this Lent. When I ask people for a favorite story from the Bible, this one gets mentioned very frequently and particularly by men. I've heard them say they like a Jesus as a man of action who expresses his righteous anger, who directly confronts something that is just plain wrong. 
Well, what was going through Jesus's mind as he got more and more angry and got closer to those tables and chairs that he tipped over? This phrase, a house of prayer, turning into a den of thieves. According to the gospel writer, Jesus was thinking of Isaiah chapter 56. And we just get that little quotation from it, but this morning, I want to actually share most of it with you. Most of it. So hang on. This is Isaiah chapter 56. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. What is a eunuch? A eunuch is someone born male who has had some or all of his genitalia removed so that he can be in service, usually in a royal court, without having any possibility for a family life beside it, okay? Whoa. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them, to them, I give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to them, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, foreigner or eunuch or whatever, and I will give them joy in my house of prayer. That's where the words come up. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, who were the exiles, the ones being left out of the temple when Jesus came in? The blind and the lame. I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. And then a word to criticize both the political and the religious leadership in Isaiah's time. The political are described as, they are dogs with mighty appetites, they never have enough. And the religious authorities, they are shepherds who lack understanding, they all turn to their own way, they seek their own gain. To which I say, boom! That is a really old scripture that seems really, really current. Eunuchs, foreigners, anyone who is following the word of the God and obeying it are welcome in the temple to bring their offerings. And it will be an expanding group of people, not a narrowing. So what is on this table 
that Jesus turns over? Who is sitting in the chairs that he upends? The problem that he is confronting with that anger is exclusionary, sacrificial economy. Three big words. Let me break it down. He's seeing things that are messed up in two different ways. Number one, it's economically messed up because it says, who can buy their redemption? Because that is what was happening with these sacrifices. And if you were really rich, maybe you could buy like a ram or a goat. If you were really poor, maybe a dove. If you were really, really poor, they didn't want you in that temple at all. It was messed up in terms of religion as well. While this redemption marketeering is going on, redemption for sale, forgiveness for sale, what the scriptures say should happen is not happening. Things like healing and caring for the poor. But listen, if you haven't already heard something fresh in this sermon, like if you had already known all about eunuchs, here is something in this message for you that might be new. The drama of this story does not end when the chairs and the tables hit the ground. That is just the beginning. That is just the beginning. So I'm going to go through. It's all spelled out in your gospel today. Go through the Jesus steps here. Number one, he observes the wrong. And he has a basis for knowing that it's wrong. And that basis is Isaiah 56. Shows his righteous anger. The tables. And then he acts out the opposite of what was wrong. What's the very next thing that happens? He invites the disease into the space, and he heals them. Positive modeling behavior, right, teachers? Then he seeks out the voices that affirm him. Who is on his side? Who is on your side? In this case, we're asking who gets what Jesus is trying to do. And it's the children who have the code language which just says they know this is the Messiah because he calls them, calls Jesus the son of David. You seek out the voices that affirm you and then get ready for opposition. Expect it. Chief priests and the scribes were angry. And then withdraw from the scene. Give everybody a chance to cool down and think things over. He goes to his friends in Bethany. They all probably go to their homes. And that's not even the end of the story. Because what he does is the next day, Jesus returns to the temple and goes inside to engage his opposition with words. He has a Q&A with the Pharisees and the Sadducees the next day. And that's what we were preaching on last week. Remember? I said, okay, Jesus, who tore about the temple yesterday, what is the greatest commandment? Remember? He said, love God and love one another. And they had to say, oh, that's the same answer that we have. Hmm. Though difficult for sure, this pattern 
these seven steps I just talked about, is the kind of following Jesus that I think we can truly do. So I often get asked to turn water into wine, and I've never been able to do it. (laughs) But this, this is something that is possible. So what is on the table now that we need to turn over? little journey in thought for all of you sitting there. Imagine that you're in a room full of tables and you have a thick sharpie pen in your hand and you get to walk over and write on those tables something that you think really needs turning over, really needs God's justice to remake. And friends, we've had a week, right? those answers are probably not hard for you to come across. You could write gun violence. You could write governmental inaction on gun violence. You could write shoddy and scarce affordable housing. You could write lack of mental health resources. But what's your answer? I want you to take out your prayer square right now, and on the other side, Pretend it's your table. Tell me, what is one example of what you think needs to be turned over? And realizing that it is not enough to turn the table over. Jesus didn't stop there. He showed what needed to happen instead of the injustice that he found. It's not abandonment, turn over the table and storm out of there. He didn't do that. It's reform. It's reform, and that's the harder work, and it takes an even deeper love. So any of you have been in something like this, where you know something needs to change, and you call it out, that's brave right there. But then to do the additional steps to give it a go, to give it a try. That's hard work, and it really does require a deep love. And there are times when after that effort is done, you will still need to walk away and give it entirely over to God. The good news in all of this, if it's feeling heavy right now, is that we are not meant to do this alone. We are not meant to do this alone. God, our companion for sure, but also all of us as siblings in Christ. Jesus came to save us all and to start a movement, a movement that started with 12 and then 20 and then more and more and more to set the tables back up again, to put something new on that table, something nourishing and healthy. And there are so many different ways to engage in that process. We need poets and artists. We need caretakers and prayers. We need advocates and organizers. We need voters. Particularly this week, we need voters and more voters. And we need the insight and the assistance of people at the center and people on the margins. And sometimes... 
a people on the team, a person on the team, needs to tap out, sit down and rest a little bit, and be cared for, for a while. That's all part of it, too. Here comes Holy Week, or as I like to call it, Holy Moly Week. <laughs> it's the Olympics for Jeff and for me and for those, all of those, and there are many who are helping to craft the services of this coming week. It's all designed to mark an incredible transformation that is ahead, a transformation of a Savior Jesus who this day is turning over tables and coming back the next day for that Q&A session, but later in the week will have an intimate dinner with his friends, go out in the garden and be arrested, be flogged, be brought before authorities, walk through Jerusalem with his cross on his shoulder, die on that cross, go into the tomb, and out again, fully resurrected. What a transformation. I don't know what symbol of this kind of Easter miracle you enjoy. I do like eggs, because you can't see the hope inside, but you know it's there, and life bursts forth. I also like butterflies a lot for the same reason. They go through these stages where you wonder, is there really any life there? And then to emerge beauty. This year, however, we have another kind of symbol that we've been working on for several weeks. Uh, no more at work than, than Jeff, not only our musician, but our carpenter as well. Turning a pew like the one that you're sitting in right now into a dining table. I got to witness all of the parts of that journey so far. On Tuesday, toward evening, it will be wheeled into this very space and put up front so we can celebrate it um, during these, these days of this week. I love to think about who all sat in that pew when it was a pew and prayed to God for whatever was going on in their lives and joined their soprano voice to an alto voice to a bass voice and sang the same kind of hymns we're singing today. And then the fact that it got torn to pieces. It was just a bunch of boards for a little while. And then it came together as something new, and now I wonder about who will sit and eat a meal at that table and be encouraged by the grace and hospitality that they experience there. We are loved by a mighty God, a God who knows what you are going through and who is trying always to capture your attention with the message of love and compassion. And if that dwells with you today, you can't help but want that very same thing for others. Thank God for Jesus Christ, the great table-turner, yes, and the great healer, too. Amen. Come gather round the mystery Love broken in our history Where grace heals all blinds in me Time, time again It welcomes me Into one 
a houseboy, the hungry, a well for the thirsty, where all saints come together, shoulder to shoulder, a welcome for the traveler, new wine for the vineyard, and all things God is able, cause love has a bigger table. Christ hidden in the beggar Cause love doesn't need a stranger Love calls them friend And welcomes them Into a, a house for the hungry A sermon and a song. Hope you are inspired, fortified, challenged by these podcasts, and also willing to donate to support our ministry here in the heart of Milwaukee. Online, go to www.redeemermilwaukee.org. An old-fashioned paper check means no fees. The entire gift supports the ministry here. Send a check to Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 
1-800-273-53233. Our Fearless and Faithful Capital Campaign invites anyone to help us with financial contributions, big or small, to make our physical home at the corner of 19th Street and Wisconsin Avenue ready and able to worship, for education, and especially for outreach in decades to come. Information on Fearless and Faithful can be found at the website, www.redeemermilwaukee.org. Until next time, may our gracious God increase your hope, strengthen your faith, deepen your capacity for love, and grant you peace.